every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the 40th episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Falkenstein, and I'm here again with Ken Watmore. And uh, Ken, we're on uh, episode 40, so we're cranking along, aren't we? We are. We're moving. It's exciting. Yeah. So we'll have to see if we can get that episode 40 sheet cake for to celebrate for later but you know we'll uh we'll wait on that maybe we'll do when we have like a full year's worth or something or, well, yeah because i know you we'll, mentioned a sheet cake at like 25 <laughs> or 30 also and we still have yet to have any cake so <laughs> that's right 50 should be a cake yeah right? definitely 50 or definitely pizza. Th- maybe pizza yeah maybe a little pizza or a dinner or something so <laughs> that's right so well great and we're of course so thankful for all of you that are joining us on the podcast and are uh, listening of course you know, for us, this is just a, you know, this is a, a work of love for us. I mean, we really have a heart to do this. And so having many of you participate in what we're doing is really fantastic. And we see on iTunes that we've got people listening and Ken, I'm beginning to have more and more people that are, you know, mentioning to me that they're listening. And so it's been kind of fun. It's great. And I know that I see it's, and again, I I know how active and good you are at doing the Twitter and everything like that. And I'm not still, even though I try a little harder. Yeah, I can tell you're trying, for sure. But I do, you know, I'm picking up more followers, which I love as a result of just being involved with you in this. Oh, good. uh, And I I actually love following them. At least I get on and get to see what they're doing as well. And it's kind of exciting to to see how that grows. That's right. And yeah, we won't take long on that, but it is... To, to your point, Twitter's been really, of the social media platforms for me, that's been really fantastic because I am connecting with a lot of other people that have right. a very similar heart and talking about these same things and, you know, and then actually, you know, coordinating with some different people. And so, yeah, which, where otherwise, I don't know exactly how I would connect with those people, right? Sure. So, yeah. so that's been good. So, Ken, I had a an idea for this episode, which is, you know, the obviously in what I'm doing with the 1-8 Catalyst and with this podcast, I'm around a lot of people and we're using terms like people groups, unreached people groups, unengaged people groups. What's the difference between all of that? And so as a direction for the podcast in the future, what I'd love to be able to do is be able to continue to highlight some of the need worldwide because obviously as we talk about great commission fulfillment i mean we really want this job to be this command to be done right so Mm -hmm. so we begin to look at the nitty-gritty of okay what does it actually take to have it done and uh, where we begin with that ken is to talk about 
Matthew 28, which is obviously in Great Commission terms, almost kind of where we begin and start a lot of, begin and end a lot of conversations, right? But in Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and I am with you always to the end of the age, that word in the Greek, right, go and make disciples of all nations, and this whole whole idea of nations, of course, he wasn't referring to political nations like Canada, Kenya, Russia, you know, even the United States. Obviously, the United States didn't even exist. None of these countries existed when Jesus gave that command, right? And so the word that Jesus used for nations in the Greek is this ethne, and ethne is a word English kind of the kind of what what the we get the English word ethnic from that word, but it really just means you know as Jesus was giving that command, he gave the command to his followers to make disciples from every ethnic group, and so so in in other words, for us to finish this this to finish the Great Commission, we have to reach every one of these people groups of which there's you know, 16,000 something, uh, uh, depends on your definitions. Uh, it goes from about 13,000 to 16,000 to kind of depending on what you, how you define it. So Ken, what do you think about that? Would it, do you think it'd be good for us to go through and kind of define some of these and bring to light some of kind of what, what's happening in the world? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all need to kind of know what, what does it, what does it mean? I mean, we, I think we can kind of decipher, right. What unreached means, but we, but it's still, we, we need to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Right. And and as I think as our population continues to explode and we see we've talked about this before, too, we see the decline of churched families, even here in Western culture. Yeah. All of a sudden we start to go, hey, is there there's another people group coming up, right? That's these unchurched people right here in our backyard that aren't. Are, are not growing up with families that have anything to do with Christ, don't even want to talk about it, haven't yeah, heard Yeah, that's right. And surprisingly enough, there's people in the United States where you would go, they don't even know who Jesus is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and, right. More and, and now, more. Certainly, there's larger people groups all across the world in, in that unreached category that have never heard. There's nobody in there to witness to them. They have no no foundational Christian behavior in their culture. And I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. So I think we've got a lot today and a lot in the future to talk about. In this <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But this this will this will this will play out over the course of a number of episodes, right? So, but we do want to be able to set the stage for future episodes. And so, Ken, let's talk first about as the people who research this have defined it. You know, the first thing we talk about is what exactly is a people group. So, the Lausanne. You know, of course, we know about the Lausanne Conference, and they have other things that this Lausanne organization is doing. And so in 1982, the Lausanne Committee defined a people group for evangelization purposes. A people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planning movement without encountering barriers of understanding and, and acceptance. And so as we, as we talk about that, it's maybe, I mean, that's kind of the technical term. So what does that exactly mean? Obviously, you know, if you've had any experience with, I mean, even take in the United States, I'm trying to think of what an, of an example. So you look at something like the Navajo Indians, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, the Navajo Indians, when the Westerners first came to North America, you know, they had a distinct language. It was probably a different language than the Arapaho Indians or the, you know, Sioux Indians or whatever. And so each one of those is a people group because the barrier 
that you begin to run in when you begin doing ministry with Navajo Indians is, okay, you can translate the Bible into Navajo, but the Sioux Indians can't read it. You might even have some Navajos who become Christians, right? But they can't minister to the Sioux because they speak a different language. And so many times, you know, the the barrier of understanding or of, of acceptance is language. And mm-hmm. so um, that's not always the case, but boy, you think about if that's, if that's kind of your definition and the fact that there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 13,000 of these different people groups around the world, it's really something in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, we, we've talked so many times about the champions of missions, right? And uh, the heroes mm-hmm. of the field. And it amazes me when you have missionaries that will move in with people groups that they completely don't understand to learn the language, take the barrier down, and then in turn, share the gospel, put the Bible in their language. And you've talked about that before. And it's just right. amazing to me. It really is incredible, isn't it? So, so ideally, can a people group would always be defined to mean either, you know, all individuals in that group understanding each other reasonably well, and their cultural and or relationship barriers aren't so high that the transmission of the gospel is seriously impeded. But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. But so as we look at then, you know, what is a unreached and unengaged people group, of course, at first we look at, you know, these people groups. So I have friends, for example, who, in fact, we've had David Joannis with uh, within Reach Global on and you know he talks about going into the mountains between China and Laos or Myanmar some of these places and getting to these villages that he's taken you know 3 days to get to including a day of hiking or a day a day or two of hiking and you know they have a unique language of their own it might only be you know a couple thousand people of course, people groups, that's the other thing. Some of them are quite large in the millions. Some of them are quite small. But then, you know, so they've got a unique language. He can't take a Mandarin Chinese Bible to minister to them because they don't know Mandarin Chinese and they've never heard the name of Jesus. So he, when he asks, he, when he asks them, who is Jesus Christ? They think, they say, is that a bar of soap or is that a right. shampoo or is that, a, you know, they just, they have no concept. And so, so that leads us into the question of then, so we've kind of defined what is a people group. Then we get into what is an unreached people group. And there is a difference between unreached and unengaged that we want to make, but an unreached people group is a people group within which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians able to evangelize this people group. And so that was kind of the beginning stages when the missionary researchers were beginning to do this. And then in the 1990s, they began to sort of, they wanted to quantify the deaf definition and they settled on the criteria for an unreached is less than 2% of true Christ followers and less than 5% professing Christians in these people. So, so technically unreached, there are some Christians potentially, but that has not transmitted to kind of a larger, the larger population. So, right. so yeah, it's interesting in that, that, yeah, that that's, that's kind of how they finally have defined it. Yeah. And this, 
I don't want to take this on a sidetrack, no, but I do want to say something because I think that a lot of our, the listeners, when you say something like, you know, they think Jesus Christ might be a bar of soap or something like that, that seems like a stretch for us, right? They're like we, we go, well, come on, that's, you know, how can they think it's that? I, I just want to, in light of our culture today, as much technology as we have and as much news is out there. And, and this is not to go in any political direction. I simply want to use something that I just heard on the news, a real okay, relevant great. example. I, I had heard one of these, you know, on the street kind of interviewers, and he, he's asking people, you know, well, what do you think about Benghazi? Uh-huh. And literally people here in our country on the street who have access to news, technology and everything all day are saying, well, I don't think he's got a chance. You know, I don't think it's a person. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, I don't think he can run in this race. And so we're in a political season. And I know that people might think I'm trying to go. No, I don't think so. I'm not at all. I'm saying if in today's culture in right here in the United States where we have news, (laughs) Internet and all this unbelievable media resource where the word Benghazi has been, you know, overplayed for for a while now. I mean, years. And yet people still don't realize who it is. Or who, I mean, what, what it is, sorry, right. where it is. You know, right. People don't realize that. that it's a city in Libya, yeah, actually. Yeah, and, and that there's, a, <laughs> there's this big controversy right now of what happened there, right? So people don't even realize that and they think it's a person. Well, think about this. Jesus Christ's name is not in the news. He's not, I mean, we, we're seeing less and less reference to our Lord. That's right. And Savior, Jesus Christ. And if people don't even know the th- what's in the news, imagine where people don't know who Jesus Christ is. And then take that to a place where he's never, no one's ever been exposed. That's not right. Not news, not travel, not anyone. No one living with them, no one visiting them. I mean, it, it's very possible that there are so many more people than we can even imagine that don't know who Jesus is right now. Yeah, so, that's right. That's where I was trying to go. Yeah, right. Sorry for that. No, no, no. You're you're fine, and your point is well taken. Right, that if there are people in the United States that not only don't know who where when where Benghazi is, but they don't know who Jesus Christ is. Hmm. Certainly, someone in a village in mountainous Laos who right. there are no roads that go to this village, and you have to take two days to hike to get there. Certainly, you can see why, Right. unless there have been some missionaries that have been to that place, why they would not know who Jesus Christ is, right? So, mm. so yeah. So, many times in the future, then, we'll talk about an unreached people group, and so now folks will have a little bit of an idea of you know, of who that is and who those people are. And so, or, you know, we'll say something about the XYZ people group and they're unreached or they're unengaged. And so folks will have kind of a context, but uh, Ken, just to kind of put a, some real time stats to this, right? The worldwide stats on unreached people groups, right? So I mentioned already that there are about 13,000 people groups around the world. So there are just over 4,000 that are in this category of unreached, totaling about 3 billion people and about 40% of the world population. So much of this, by the way, I have to give credit where credit is due. There's a, and I would encourage people to go there. There's a website called joshuaproject.net and they've got, they're, they're the kind of the research people. They, they do this really well. And so, in fact, I'd love to have some of their folks on an episode or two. But, I mean, it's just amazing that in this category of unreached people groups, right, we're talking about 3 billion of the world's 7 billion people, right? It's, it's pretty amazing. 
It's a lot of folks. Yeah, it is a lot of folks. So, well, Ken, let's get to the kind of the other two main topics we or uh, areas we want to talk about. But first, let's take our quick break and have our friend Tom Moeller say a few words, and we'll be right back. Hi, Tom Moeller again. I'm often stricken by the passion of the missionaries of the 1800s. They had a clear understanding of the Great Commission command and their responsibility to obey. Listen to a couple of these quotes from these missionary heroes. Hudson Taylor, the first Western missionary to go into the inland provinces of China. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Or how about Henry Martin, missionary to India and Persia? The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to Him, the more intensely missionary we become. It is the same spirit that Mike Falkenstein and the Made for Missions team brings to their calling to mobilize Christians toward the Great Commission. For those who want to join Mike and the team with that same zeal, I would encourage you to visit MikeFalkenstein.com and peruse the website and join Mike and his team in mobilizing Christians toward the Great Commission. Well, Ken, as we continue with the episode, let's go from unreached people groups to another status uh, that we call unengaged people groups. And so I got some data from the, the, you know, the Southern Baptists International Missions Board, and, you know, they suggest that there are about 3,000, a little over 3,000 ethnic people groups that are not only unreached, so they're in that category, but then they're they're completely unengaged, meaning that there's no known active on-site church planting efforts underway and really no believers. And so, you know, to say that a, a people group is unengaged means that they are definitely, there are definitely no missionaries in likelihood, no outreach, no church or fellowship of believers, no Christian materials, and few, if any, Bibles in these people groups. And, you know, we had a, when I was going through this, I remember a interview episode that we did with Ray with the organization Reach 1040. And I love what he said, which was, you know, after 2000 years, we Christians, you think we would have had this job done <laughs> by now. But I mean, it's, Ken, I'm interested to know what you think. Are you surprised that there are 3000 people groups that are literally, there's no known missionaries or witness amongst 3000 people groups still in 2016? Yeah, no doubt. It, it surprises me. And I think because we're, you know, and, and probably many of the listeners are in, they see their churches and, and there are a lot of churches that at least support some missionary group somewhere. And then when you watch yes. TV, you see these commercials for so many people saying we're trying to, you know, we're, we're taking care of these starving children here and there. And the, and I think that we're, we're, we almost feel like sometimes, well, there's all these people taking care of it, right? Like we, oh, right. let's give them a little bit of money. You know, they're out there doing it. It's getting done. But the truth is, it's just not getting done. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's ex- that's exactly right. And so, and we'll talk actually, Ken, I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll talk about that right towards the end as we give sort of some encouragement towards people that might be listening. So we know now what is a people group, what is an unreached and unengaged people groups. And then, oh, which by the way, I forgot the the kind of the, the real-time stats on the unengaged. So there are, as I mentioned, just a little over 3,000 of these people groups, you know, about 195 million people thereabouts. And so in the world, there are about 195 million that are, that, that yeah, that have never been reached. Their people group has never been reached. So, so then finally on the sort of defining terms, 
portion of this, Ken, I wanted to talk just a little bit about a project that we here at One Eight Catalyst are, are getting involved in, which is Bible translation. And again, as you mentioned, Ken, you know, in the West, we're so saturated with kind of everything and news and information. And we're also so saturated with kind of gospel materials, right? Mm -hmm. And Bibles. And, you know, most of us have 20 Bibles in our house and multiple translations. And I mean, we're kind of swimming in this sort of mm -hmm. sea of kind of, you know, <laughs> gospel availability, you know. And so, but, you know, as it relates to especially the unengaged, but also the unreached, you know, the, you know, in order to to make not just a convert, but to do what Jesus asked us to do in Matthew 28 to actually make disciples, you know, Jesus require. I mean, you have to have, you know, a portion of scripture available in their mother tongue. And so, you know, we're friends with the good folks at Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they report that about, you know, about of the approximately 6,800 what they call living languages, meaning that they're still being used today. They haven't died away. About 1,800 around the world they've recognized have a definite translation need. And so that just means that, that the mother tongue of those speakers, of those 1800 languages, you know, no scripture exists at all. And so a lot of times, Ken, you know, they have a limited access in trade languages or major, major languages, but no, no idea of, you know, no translation or access in their heart language. And so, you know, I was trying to think in about how to sort of uh, communicate that and, because much, many of us are not multiple language speakers, right? So it's hard for us to understand. But certainly, while I speak Mandarin Chinese, you know, if you really want to talk to me deeply about something, English is just way better because that's right. that's my heart language, right? And so, mm -hmm. and so that's kind of you know an idea of that. So, can what do you think about that? I'm interested to know. Out of the sixty, and to have eighteen hundred languages now that are still no portion of scripture. Well, you know, it, it's it's a little overwhelming to think about because you have to think kind of like what we talked about earlier about these yeah. missionaries who have, you know, planted themselves in a culture, learned the language so that in order to then share the gospel in their language. Um, so it's it's daunting to think that what, what has to happen is either people have to do that or yes. people from those cultures have to learn another language so that they can then translate it. I mean, yes. something, something major has to happen right. in order for this to be done. Now, certainly there, there are ways to begin to share the gospel that we've seen in some remote tribes, right? Where people have been able to utilize symbolism and things to point to Christ. Yes. But, but again, those stories, yes. this is, this is again, a conversion. It's not, it's the beginning of discipleship, but the, but the discipleship has to happen. Yeah. Um, right. There has to be a relationship built. And to be able to explain, like you talked about in your heart language being English, right? It's one thing to know in Mandarin that somebody could say, Jesus Christ is your, is your savior. He came, he died for you, he rose again, uh -huh. et cetera, right? And then you, and you learn that, but that there's not an emotional thing that's attached to that, right? That's there's right. Gotta be a, there's got to be a heart change. There's, and how do you explain relationship at that depth in a language that you simply understand conceptually yes. uh, as opposed to something that you really, you know, you can, when we, when you and I speak, you, we can tell when we're passionate about something, when there's something <laughs> emotional. When I'm trying that's to right. explain to you what a relationship looks like, there's ways that you would understand in our native tongue mm -hmm. to say, oh, oh, it's like, it's like a, it's, it's like a mother and son relationship, but even deeper. It's like a mother daughter relationship, even deeper husband and wife, but even more, right? I mean, we can, we can get that. But when you start to try and 
put that in another language, you can't express that level, that depth, th- what leaning towards discipleship really looks like. Yeah, that's um, right. So I, it, it's, a, like I said, it's a little overwhelming to think that there's, you know, there's that much out there. And, and frankly, you start to go like, man, that means Christ's return is far away still. Oh, right. right. They got more work to <laughs> There's do. There's so right? much more to do. And we don't know when that is, but we, that's right. but we do know that this was important enough for Christ to say that this has to happen. That's right. Yeah. And he gave us the job to do it, right? So, and Ken, as it relates to sort of, it seems like an overwhelming task, there is a little bit of sliver of good news here because mm-hmm. as we've worked, as I've gotten to know those guys at Wycliffe, one of the things they're reporting to me is that, you know, back in the early 1900s, for example, when they started this organization, when they would have a missionary couple go to the XYZ people group in Papua New Guinea or Tanzania or wherever, it was their full, I mean, they would go in as as 20-year-olds. Many times they're actually having to not only learn the language of that people group, but then also, you know, these, a lot of these people groups don't have a written form of their language, so then they have to go in and develop the written form first, yeah. and then they begin translating the Bible. <laughs> and so, and then the hope would be, as they're retiring, that they're able to hand to the local people a you know, a copy of the Bible mm. uh, translated. And so now, in other words, it was their full life's work. That's right. Today, there are all kinds of computer modeling things they're doing. They're doing all kinds of, I mean, they've just been doing this a while, so they can, they, yeah. they're speeding that up quite a bit. And so, mm. so they're, they're, and so in a missionary's career, they might be able to see three or four full Bibles where it used to be just one. So, yeah. so they are speeding up that process. And so I thought just quickly, just to give some context to Ken, I, I, you know, the one translation project that we're just starting to look into, that's a people group called the San Long Chong. And so the San Long Chong people live in Sichuan province. And so literally we're just starting all of this, but the, as it relates to heart languages, I thought it would be good because as we've begun to m- meet with San Long Chong sort of village leaders, there actually is, they're more in the unreached category than, than, than in the unengaged. There is some Christian activity that's happening, but just the tiniest bit. And amongst those who are Christians, they've been to university and learned Mandarin Chinese and then became Christians kind of. So now we have, in fact, that's what happens a lot of times is, you know, we actually need some, some San Long Chong people to be able to translate the Bible because they're going to know this language way better than, you know, we are, we ever are. In fact, they're going to be a part of the team that are doing the translation. And so a lot of times it's that, you know, that's what happens. And that's what you're, of course, you're praying for is to have some Christian activity and someone that knows both languages who can sort of lead a team of people. So anyway, so I, we're excited about that. So, so Ken, I guess in terms of final thoughts for me, I just think, you know, if you total up the unreached people group and the unengaged people groups, it's something around 7,100 people groups around the world. And so the thing I've been saying, Ken, and you can tell me if you think this is unrealistic, but certainly even in the United States, there would be 7,100 churches that could just say, couldn't they, hey, we'll just take one of these and we'll reach just one of them. And then before long, all of them would be reached, wouldn't they? I mean, do you think that's unrealistic? Actually, I I think it's a fantastic idea. I think that even maybe part of this mission should be, and, and I'm saying this off the cuff, just in as we looked at show notes and things, I, I until today I didn't look at that bottom line. Yeah. But, but looking at that, 
and knowing that there are tens of thousands of churches in the United States, yeah, certainly there are seven thousand one hundred thirty-one churches who say like, yes, oh, hey, that's that's that's, that's, that's our know, one. Let's right? do it, you know. So and and that uh, that's it. That's right. all you have to do is yeah. take one. So so maybe that. I mean, maybe part of the mission, you know, even for us moving forward or with the people that are yeah, kind of right. partnering up and, and that you're making friends with, maybe all of us say, okay, let's go and make a list and start saying, you know, let's go to churches and appeal and, and to say, oh, like, right. okay, hey, we're down to 6,226. Yeah, right. You know, we're, we're making waves. Let's that's go. Right. That's right. So I, that's a, yeah, that's encouraging. And I think that, well, I think we should do it. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, what's exciting too, Ken, is that there are, there are organizations, whether it's a Wycliffe or, you know, this Joshua Project or, you know, we know a number of organizations that are placed strategically around the world that really, if they just had the church partnership, that's right, they could say, hey, uh, we, yeah, we want to reach those people too. And so um, one resource, by the way, Ken, that I'll just mention quickly is uh, for those churches that go, man, we want to be part of the 7,100. Uh, how do we get begin praying? There's a book that you can go to the bookstore, Christian bookstore and buy, or go to Amazon. It's called Operation World. And so a guy by the name of Paul Hathaway has done extensive research on, I mean, this book is like an encyclopedia type book, and it lists all of these 13,000 people groups around the world and uh, which ones are unreached and whatnot. And so, you know, a lot of times, Ken, where that does happen in times I've seen that happen with churches that go, yeah, let's just begin praying. And that's really where all this should begin, right? right? And so you just begin to pray. And, you know, a lot of times it's, boy, we already have a international student at our, who's going to our church from Ethiopia. Would there be a place to do that there or someone from Russia? And are there unreached people groups? And so you already have kind of that connection and God's already brought you some people. And, you know, so anyway, I would just highly encourage folks to, to pick up a copy of that book and to, or, you know, again, this joshuaproject.net, I believe they've got all of them listed there too. So it's even an online resource to begin to just pray and then as you're flipping through you go yeah god's really impressed us to invest and that's our one mm -hmm. right and that god can do that right through the Absolutely. holy through yeah. the holy spirit so well folks thanks for joining us hopefully this has been helpful and it'll be helpful going forward as we talk more about the unengaged and un unreached people groups you can get in touch with me via twitter at missions mike of course in the the beginning of the show i gave my website you can get in touch with me there course kins at uh, kin Watmore on twitter and you can get in touch with him and we'd love to hear from you we'd love to if you've got any other questions you've got any other things that you want to talk about with us we'd love to do it so again thanks for joining us for this latest episode uh, our 40th episode of the made for missions podcast